from New York City. A podcast from working actors, directors, and playwrights. This is the Cry Havoc Company. Hello, and welcome to the Cry Havoc Podcast. Today around the table we have... Jennifer Kerfman, I'm an actor. Annalisa Chamberlain, I'm an actor. Will Clark, I'm an actor. Carrie Flanagan, I'm an actor. Jen Reichert, I'm a writer. Jenny Curlin, I'm an actor. And I'm Kit Lavoy, I'm a playwright and a director. Uh, today, we're having a special episode to talk about the Cry Havoc Workshop, the weekly meeting of our actors, writers, and directors in the Cry Havoc Company who gather to uh, work on acting work, to work on directing work, and in a significant way to work on the development of new plays. Uh, this group meets every week and we are recording this episode in the last week of September, and this week marks the 10th anniversary of the first meeting of the Cry Havoc Workshop. Since that time, we have met for over 2,000 hours, over 500 separate meetings, had over 300 artists involved, and developed at this point, as of this week, uh, 293 plays and screenplays. Uh, many of which have gone on to productions around New York City, around the country, uh, and around the world. The workshop began as a regular uh, but relatively informal meeting of a group of artists and over time has evolved into a very structured, very regular, and very productive organism of the company that really plays a very central role in all of the work we do in all of our programs. So. In honor of this 10th anniversary, we thought we would take the opportunity to let our podcast audience in a bit on our process and to talk about what it is that we do every week. And we actually have around the table today uh, a fairly eclectic mix of people who've been involved um, for different lengths of time and, and different ways. Um, so, I mean, do you guys... Uh, want to tell us? I actually am not sure I totally remember exactly when and where each of you guys arrived. So when did you first come and how did you get there and you know what were your initial impressions of the workshop the first time you came? When the workshop started meeting I was still in grad school for I think the first two years of the meeting so I'd be coming in frequently in between you know while I was still studying and then became coming uh, began coming more frequently and have been ever since. Um, Carrie actually introduced me uh, to the workshop. She had actually introduced me to Kit and I auditioned for Good Enough in mm -hmm. I think it was 2008 for the Samuel French. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I was not cast in that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Carrie continued to tell me I should come to the workshop and I had a class that conflicted with it and never made it for a year. And my first open workshop that I went to, um, I was just really impressed uh, with the writing and just all the artists in the room. I was just really impressed with the work. And, and I told Kit afterwards, I said, I'd really like to start coming. And I really have been coming almost every week since then, I think. Will, if it makes you feel any better, mm -hmm. um, I came to the Cry Havoc workshop by Kit's invitation, and I met Kit when some college friends and I were producing a play, and we interviewed him to direct the play, and we didn't hire him. 
Um, but we had really enjoyed meeting him, and so we invited him to come and, and see the show. And after that, he invited me to come to the workshop. Does it make me feel much better? <laughs> <laughs> Does it make you feel better that it's all part of a big elaborate revenge strategy? Uh, yeah. Yes, then, yes. <laughs> well, I've been here since the beginning, since the very first meeting, since the pre-meeting when we were planning about meeting. Um, yeah, so since 2001 I've been coming. I met Kit my senior year at Fordham University. He was hired to come and direct a show there that I was in. And after I graduated that spring, uh, he started inviting me to come to the workshop. I was doing a short film with Will and I went along with him. He invited me to go to his first open workshop and um, was introduced to everybody there and, and saw, you know, everyone reading and um, everyone was really inviting and, you know, wanted to know what I thought and if I wanted to come to another one. And I, so of course I did. And yeah. I actually think that the w open workshop that you guys came to, I think might have been the very first one that we did. Uh, because we had been, you know, meeting in our in our regular weekly workshop for about seven and a half years at that point. Um, and then what we started doing and have become a much more regular part of what we do is about now every two weeks or so we do an open session of the workshop where we invite artists who are not part of the company and members of our audience uh, from all different backgrounds to come and essentially take part in a session of the workshop where we uh, read things that are in development or do acting work that we're working on and then engage in the same kind of discussion that we engage in when it's just um, the company. Uh, but do you guys remember uh, when you did first start coming to the workshops, uh, and it had been going for a while by the time you got there, what your impressions were the first time you came to a workshop with, that was just the company? I, I mean, I was initially intimidated a bit, only because <clears throat> I was impressed by people's performance in the open workshop I, that I had seen, and, and all of those people were not, I was sitting in the room with them about to talk about something, and I remember deciding before I went that I was pretty much going to sit it out and just see what this is, because I have no idea what this is, and, and uh, I wanted to speak many times, but I, 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 you know, it took me a week or two, I think, before I was able to get the cotton out of my mouth and say something. <laughs> Do you have any recollection of what it was that you said for the first time? Gosh, I don't remember. I remember that we were, that in one of the first two workshops we were reading texts, um, Jen's full-length play, and I was really nervous because that was the first time I read. That was the first time I participated in, and I just felt like I didn't remember how to read. Uh, <laughs> but but you know it were it happened. Uh, uh, but yeah, I I I I was a little intimidated at first because. Because I had been in a writing circle before with some filmmakers, and and it was so casual, and it was so uh, the way we gave each other feedback was so loose and so unproductive at times, and a lot of it, you know, was just a lot of joking around, and there was still a lot of casual conversation in the room at at, at the workshops, but but the. The discussion was much more critical and focused, and I just wanted to make sure I understood 
how to maneuver in that way um, before I started just saying stuff <laughs> as, we, as I had before. I feel like the first one that I went to, this might be a lie, but the first one I remember is Jen had written a play out of poetry for mm. all women. And I remember meeting at a place on 8th Avenue and it was all these uh, women that you, that you Kit, were, had gone to school with, I think. And we were reading this play and I remember being really intimidated because A, I don't know much about poetry or, well, at the time, plays. <laughs> um, and I didn't really know what I was saying, but I wanted to say, like, pretty. <laughs> <laughs> But that, it was it was interesting because it, it was the first time a that I came across something like that to read and b to have people talk about it. I'm not sure that I remember the very first time that I came to workshop, but I definitely remember one of the first times. And we were working on Kit's play Makes Three, and I at one point whatever the time that I remember, I had to come in late from work or an audition or something. And I came in and they were midway through the first act of the play. And it's, it's quite an involved play and there's, <laughs> there's a lot that happens. And at the break, Kit asked if I would like to pick up and start reading one of the roles. And I decided that, that no, in fact, I was not ready for that. that I kind of like you said, Will, I wanted to have a, a better sense of the room. And in this case, this play was already running and I didn't want to jump on a moving train at that point. And I also really at that time hadn't yet figured out the value of something that we do so often in workshop which is read things cold. And that to me it seemed like I needed to have more information to read at that point and I quickly learned that a huge part of the value of jumping into one of those opportunities to read is to uh, help work on the play without having advanced ideas about it. Both of you guys uh, talked about the first time that you were in the room trying to get a read on what the room was. What, well, two questions, I guess. And uh, Do you guys have a recollection of what your sense was of the room when uh, you first arrived? And also, now that you guys are, have come to a few hundred workshops, each of you, how would you describe the room now? I think the thing that, that made me realize, realize I was walking into a room, it's a silly thing, but a room with people that were working seriously, was that there was a slate. There was a slate of work. It wasn't, we're all going to come in and read our things and we'll just see how it goes. It was, there was a lineup and people, it was organized. So that was the first thing that tipped me off that this, is, this isn't just a, like a, we're going to get together this week. This is like a structured environment. That actually is something that was interesting for me in sort of, we've done a number of events surrounding the 10th anniversary um, of the workshop, including we had a birthday party for the workshop and have done a number of special uh, open workshops in the past few weeks. But we've sort of gone back through uh, a lot of our, you know, our files to find things about the workshop, which is kind of fun to find. But one of the things that I found so interesting was we did a show in August of 2000. 
a Knight of One Axe. And there was on the postcard that, that we gave out for that show a little message about if you're interested in taking part in a model craft workshop, which was sort of the beta test of the, of the workshop that we did in August of 2001 and then started meeting in late September of 2001. But something that I found so interesting about it was how the terminology was exactly the same. That the way that it was described, including if you would like a spot on the slate, you know, contact this number. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not totally sure what to make of it, but it was sort of fun to find that and realize that essentially the language on that postcard 10 years and a month ago could be in any email that we would send around about the workshop today. Yeah. And the development of the slate, I mean, even though the language is the same, the way that we put the slate together, either with our communications or, you know, within the workshop itself has changed slightly over time, but always that idea, you needed to plan in advance what work was going to be there because we needed to know who was going to be there so that we could match the people with the work. Because you didn't want to have a play like Tex, which had like five guys in it and only have four, and or if a play that had 20 characters and there was only 10 people. You know, you wanted to make sure that you had what you needed to get the feedback you needed. So that was why there was advanced preparation, is so that there was never, you know, you show up and it's like, oh, well, we can't read my play today, and now we don't have something to do. We always wanted to make sure that we were using people's time effectively and that we were using our resources, which were our people, effectively. That actually was sort of a landmark time in the history of the workshop when it sort of reached a critical mass of regular attendance that you, we no longer had to worry about, do we, will we have enough guys to read this? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that really, you know, I mean, that was a, a nice thing. Because there were, frankly, uh, you know, there were some, some times where it was the, the group got, you know, relatively small for a while. But it really was something that I think was not only important to the history of the workshop, but the history of the company. You know, that, that it is something that there were people who I talked to who are like, you know, very well-established people in our business and have been around and you talk about the company and I tell them about the workshop and I say, and we meet every week and they say, wait, you meet when? Well, we meet every week. You meet every week? Like, yeah, we meet every week. And, uh, you know, I, I, I really think, I mean, we are at this point now a 15-year-old company, almost, next year. Um, but I think that the reason for that in very large part actually is the workshop. You know, that idea that there would be a weekly time when there would be work that was happening. You know, and, and there was a real commitment to that. And, and, you know, around there was a period of time in 2003 or so you know, where, where the group got relatively small, but we still met. I remember one meeting where it was actually, it also, the group got relatively small, and, and it just happened to be people's work schedules. I mean, it was, it was not that people were, un, were, were uninterested, but the weekly commitment was very difficult for people at that time. And um, I remember one particular week when there was also a couple people out of town for, you know, different things, and it was two people. And uh, I think it was me and Rachel Newman, and we got together anyway. <laughs> we were like, we're going to meet every week because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And the result now is we have, you know, a rotating group of about 50 people or so who are 
you know, regulars at the workshop in any given week, we have 25 to 30 of them who are there and an active part of the conversation. But, um, you know, part of the reason for that is that there was a commitment to sometimes there were two of us. Well, one time there was two of us, but sometimes there were five of us, but we still, we still did it. What really appealed to me when I came to that first open workshop was that it just seemed so clear that everyone in the room was really professional and you know, I respected immediately and also enjoyed watching work be done. The work that was being done was enjoyable and interesting. I think the, the dedication and, and the, the focused manner of the workshop shows even, even when there are outside perspectives. And it made a huge impression on me, you know? Well, I think it's, it's something that, uh, I think sort of the professionalism of the individuals, and I, I actually think I know exactly what you're talking about. And I think a large part of that, I think actually is a result of the workshop in many ways. I mean, I think there's a certain, you know, kind of people who we are attracted to and attract, you know, to us. But I also think it's, what is that line from a chorus line? I'm a dancer and a dancer dances. And I mean, I think that there's, you know, an actor and a writer, a writer writes and an actor acts, a director directs, but in as collaborative an art as theater is, it's, you can't act in a vacuum. You really can't, not in a really meaningful way. You can't write for actors in a vacuum. And that idea that there is a weekly forum where people can come and they can act every single week. They can write and have work with actors on that writing every single week. Uh, you know, I mean, there, there's, uh, there's a thing that was in uh, Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell's book, although he wasn't the one who, who came up with it, but he's the one who popularized it, about the idea of 10,000 hours at anything is what it takes to, to become an expert. And that idea that the, you know, the time that the Beatles spent in Berlin, that they played day and night and put in 10,000 hours of playing and came back to England, an expert band. And so I, I just find that really fascinating. You know, the idea that regardless of what it is, whether it's being a lawyer, being a doctor, being an artist, it's all 10,000 hours. But there is something about that even at four hours a week over 10 years, those people who have been here every week have put in 2,000 of those 10,000 hours just around this table and in this room. And I think that shows in terms of the confidence of the artists. And I think that the, the confidence and the, and the skill at new play development, I'm always surprised when we have new additions to the group how quickly people learn, you know, get comfortable with the idea of speaking and like what are appropriate ways to give somebody feedback and then fairly quickly after that to such insightful feedback that you know the, the, the difference between when they started and when you know three months later what um, you know insightful things that they have to say is just astounding to me like that the idea that you do it every week you get better at it mm -hmm. and it's and it's immediately visible to, to me, who's like, I've been in the room and I see it over and over again. You know, our interns this summer were terrific examples of that. Mm -hmm. How, you know, at the, by the end of it, they were in there in the fray with everybody else. Um, even if, you, you know, at the beginning they were a little, but everybody is, you know, the first time they come in, they don't want us, well, most everybody is. <laughs> it, it was also interesting how people <clears throat> start discovering 
that their role goes beyond what they think their role was walk, walking in the room. I mean, I, I love what Josh said in his, in his interview. We, we recently recorded um, interviews with uh, members of the company and uh, talking about their, their uh, experiences in the workshop to help celebrate our 10th anniversary. And uh, Josh Bywater, one of our artists, said something that I thought was fantastic. He said, you know, originally when he started coming, it was about uh, having a place to read something because he wanted to act, and that's what his role coming into the room was. He, he was an actor that was gonna read a part, but now his role in the room has changed, and he doesn't wanna read something because he wants to act exclusively. He also wants to read something because he wants to help in the development of that piece. And so people that come in thinking that they're, they're there to do their one job start realizing that what they love about theater is not just the thing that they excel at, but that they that they're they want to be part of the creative and development process, and they want to be able to just dig into a play and be a part of that. And you start it starts to make you become more passionate about it because you don't feel stuck in your little box. Well, it, I think that is I think that's one of the greatest benefits of the workshop is that you come in thinking this is my one skill, this is what I have to offer, and you start to realize you have several sets of skills, which only adds to the depth of the original skill you walked in with. You become a better actor because you become better at understanding feedback. You become a better actor because you understand the playwriting process. It, it's just, I, it's a cycle really. And there's that saying, you know, with, as, you know, as far as acting goes, that, you know, a big part of you know, getting better at it or, you know, being more natural is, is getting out of your own way. And I think that the, the workshop is a group effort. So you're there not for yourself. That, I think that's part of what helps people in really starting to pick up on the, the dialogue and the energy and just kind of the vocabulary, how things are discussed and expressed in workshop is because you figure out pretty quickly that it's it's you're not there to read really well and impress everybody or you're not there to just write a really great play and have everyone tell you how good you are it's it really matters that we're there to make good work happen and i think i think as actors working outside of a company you know from job to job working with writing of various quality working with actors of various quality, you can feel stuck in your, you know, this is what I can do, this is my skill set, this is, this is what I can contribute. But I think that a lot of actors have that impulse to like, like, what's wrong with this piece of writing? Like, this dialogue isn't good. Like, I can't say this. No one talks like this. But they don't have a place necessarily to express those ideas about new work, about work at all. And so having a place like the workshop, those things that come to actors naturally, like this, this is, you know, this is how it could be better. This is a way that we can use those skills effectively in service of a playwright's vision. And then you have that good work that you're excited to be a part of, not just as I get to act this role, but you know, that your creative impulse to make a good story, it has satisfaction in what's been made. Have you guys found it all when you're working on new plays not with Cry Havoc? Has the way that you have approached them or the way that you've dealt with the playwrights changed at all 
as a result of your experience working with playwrights on a weekly basis in the workshop? Absolutely. I think working weekly in this way, it encouraged my, my voice to come out and it also has encouraged me to become, I've become smarter and more articulate not only out loud but also in my own head. And I think when, when you have the opportunity to work regularly like this and collaboratively like this, it, there was a little bit of a light bulb that went off for me that it's not, that in some, some rooms my job is only to be an actor. But in other rooms, especially in other rooms where playwrights are present, and especially where playwrights are interested in hearing what the, right, what the actors have to say, um, I still, I think I still felt that it wasn't my job. I didn't know how to look at the play more objectively. I didn't know how to talk about it. And I didn't think that I was allowed to. And now having spent as much time as I have at this table, I recognize when it is appropriate and when it is not appropriate. But I also recognize that when it is appropriate, I know how to do it. And it's interesting because <clears throat> sometimes people, when they're playwrights in the room, I've seen actors in, in experience I've, I've had with uh, new plays, where they do feel like it's very much their place to start talk, to start giving commentary on what the play's supposed to be. And not only does it also make you aware of like when the right time to talk is, but when the wrong time is to talk. And it's you know, you have a job to do as an actor, but this this room, this environment helps you realize that we're trying in this room to help write the play that the playwright is trying to write. And when you're in a rehearsal setting, if the playwright's in the room and you just start throwing out ideas at them, you're trying to be prescriptive to them in a position. And, and, and that's a really awkward place for that to be happening. One of my favorite, but least favorite things, <laughs> and I've seen it a number of times, is when an actor will say to a playwright, my character would not do that. Really? <laughs> really, your character would not. You're saying to the guy who spent 140 hours in a room coming up with your character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's rude. <laughs> but, it, but it's interesting. It, it's, it, that is one thing that I think it has trained me to do a little bit. I mean, with, with, with uh, new plays and, and, and films that I've... That I've I, 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 I tend to watch some of the other people navigate the situation in a way I wouldn't, and I wait until it comes back around to a place where, where it makes sense to give feedback and try to wrangle the situation back into something that feels like a comfortable working environment where sometimes things get out of hand. I just know, oh, that's not, I'm not gonna be a part of that. I'm just gonna let this happen. <laughs> Do you guys have thoughts about specific things um, that, I mean, it's interesting that you say uh, that you've, feel that you have the skills to deal with new plays in a different way. What are those skills, do you think, and how do you think you develop them over the course of working in workshop? Well, I would say the, the primary thing that comes up in workshop, we have a question that we ask, what are you working on? And we're talking a lot about plays, right, at this moment when you're working on the development of a play, we're asking the playwright, what is that play that you're trying to write? What is the thing that you are trying to address in this draft? And that question, in addition to being 
incredibly relevant and important in every aspect of artistic work that that we do and what I've the artistic work that I try to do um, I think in addition to that it trains it trains us to talk about the question at hand and to grow from there you end up then listening for things you you end up looking for things articulating your own questions about the work and trying to answer the playwrights questions about the work I think that as far as I'm concerned you know when I approach work that workshop gives me a really solid outline to start looking at the material in front of me and, and figuring out how I am part of the story, how whatever character I'm working on, you know, how they are, whether they're in focus, you know, what their relation is, and it helps me get information and figure out what's, you know, important. You really get a good idea of what questions are useful to be asking. The questions that, that we ask at the table when we're developing a new play are just as valuable for questions as actors to be asking ourselves when we're approaching a role. And I, I've only brought a few plays in that I've written, but when I'm writing them, instead of just trying to write whatever, I find myself asking those questions while I'm writing the play that I hear being asked in the room. So it gives, it, it, it really does, that's how I think it focuses, is it, is we, we all start to learn, this is the way, this is the way these plays are being developed. This, these are the ways we restructure plays and not, you know, rewrite plays for people, but help them restructure them so that they are the best play that that playwright could be writing, and then that's what you want to do for yourself. So you, you kind of turn, turn that back on yourself. And I, another skill that I've seen actors develop is because so much new work gets brought in week after week, the skill of cold reading is something that people get really good at. And not just saying the words correctly the first time you've ever seen them, but also to make a choice and try to do something, even though you don't know what's ahead of you. Um, just to say, like, I see this line and now I'm going and I'm going to think it's about this and I'm going to say it that way instead of hanging back and, 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 and trying to make it be the right thing, because it doesn't help the playwright for someone to read it half. You have to read it full to because they're writing it full and otherwise you don't you won't see what the play is. Even if you made, you know, maybe not the choice that the playwright had in their head, then the playwright knows that's what an actor's gonna come up with. But if you don't if they don't come at it full in the cold read, you wouldn't ever know that. And I think actors here get that, you know, practice every week. Exactly. The one thing I learned well A super like right off the bat that makes you better at auditioning because how many times mm -hmm. you have to walk in and just cold read a piece of material you just got but what you just said made me realize what I love about doing it every week is that it makes you it just makes you a better actor because you because people don't know what's ahead of them they make choices in a moment based on what they think might happen or what they what need the to have happen said. right now and it's a direct reaction to what's going on and it's the best way to become to sharpen your in-the-moment skills for... Yeah, and, and there really is. I mean, I think the main skill of cold reading, and it's one that I think people develop by doing it here week after week, and as a playwright, it is an extraordinary gift 
to have a group of actors who can just read and make choices. But because what it is, is it becomes about listening. You know, it's, it's about, you know, someone says something to you, you hear what they've said, you want to respond, and you respond with what was on the page, which is the playwright's process, is that you have one character say something, as the playwright, you switch into the other character's head, and you respond to that thing. And in cases where readers are just reading the words, it's very hard to get a sense of what you've really done. But frankly, it, it takes a lot of courage as an actor to sit there not knowing what's coming up with the person who wrote it sitting across the table from you and to listen and respond and make a choice. But, you know, there's, there's something again to that weekly practice of it that I think creates a room in, in which, you know, there are many options to that and a playwright can really hear their play acted the first time. Not necessarily acted the way they had it in their head and not necessarily the way they would want it acted and not necessarily the way the actors would act it again if they went back and started from the beginning. But they really, you can really hear your play done with real blood in it. And when you, what you said about listening and the actor then has a response and picks up the thing that is on the page and, and uses those words, it's also an incredibly important gift to the playwright because those words that are on the page are the play that we're talking about. That's the play that we're developing and that's an extraordinary way to hear what is actually on that page. The, yeah, the discussion would be much different if we just all read the play in our minds quietly, you know, and then <laughs> tried to have an intelligent and productive discussion about it. That, like, you read it and you hear it out loud and, and we're all, you know, experiencing it and having reactions to it, experiencing surprise or like, yes, I, I, I was hoping this part would happen because you wrote this line and I wanted that character, you know, blah, 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 something to happen and, and it just, you start to have a real perspective so that you can really discuss it and what your feeling was hearing it. And I think the, 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 one of the reasons that, aside from the weekly practice and just, you know, more time doing it, that actors can make those full choices in this particular room is that we're not judging each other's worth as an actor <laughs> from the cold read. Like, we know how good the people in the room are. It's, it's, it's okay if you make a bad choice in the moment. It's a choice, and it's interesting, and... and as, as long as you're not afraid of how people are looking at you, it's, it's useful. And I think that here, people can feel, feel that security of not having to perform for other people to, to validate themselves. Well, that's an, an interesting thing because I do think it's true. And actually, it is one of the you know, very central philosophical tenets of the company is to create a safe place in which people can work and take risks. Um, but do you guys have thoughts on why the workshop is a place where people do feel that? And I mean, I do think it is a place where people seem to certainly take, feel free to take risks as an actor and as a writer. Um, what are the elements that contribute to that? I, like I said before, I, I really think that because we're all really there to help good work be developed. I also think there's, I think there's a really wonderful um, level of trust that we all trust each other to 
to take risks and and trust that we can take them and that we all have a lot of respect for each other and for you know at people's ideas their talents you know and that the fact that someone can write a play <laughs> that they're invested in because they're the writer you know bring it in and just hand it out and just trust that people are going to take it seriously and read it as best they can and that I think there's we all know that we all like each other and respect each other's ideas and think each other's good so there's kind of while there's you know that motivation to stay tuned up with your talent that there's also a safety net that we you know if I'm having an off day and I'm like not great in something that it's not you know people aren't gonna be like oh you're out now. She's, <laughs> you know? she's lost it now. Yeah. You're out. Well, yeah. We, well, like what you both said is that we come in, the given is that, okay, everyone around this table is good. We're not here to, we don't need to discuss that. There's not, it, it's, it's, there's a structure set up about we're here to make the work better. So once you know that and can trust that, it, it separates you from, you know, your ego or whatever you want to call it. And, and you're just there to make the work better. And, and I, you can take those risks. And I think there's something about the respect that has come up to respect of each other as artists, absolutely, but also respecting the conversation that we're having and feeling that the thing that somebody has set out to work on in this particular evening um, or on this particular play or this scene is the thing we're going to talk about, that we're not talking about an actor. We're talking about this particular work that this actor brought in. Yeah, because it, because it's what it really is about in the room is the is the process. I mean, it's the it's about the work that's being done. And I remember I told Kit, I remember I told Kit um, when he first asked me to be a resident artist. I told him that what I really love about the room is that every night when I leave, I feel like we did something. Not like I feel like in other circumstances where I, it, it's, it, it feels either like I'm trying to impress somebody or trying to, you know, read the room and everything. It, it feels like the work, because, because we're, we're actually, because the process is also important to us. It's not just about the finished product, but it also about the work we do. I mean, that's something that is just as, as important to us as the product. And... So we do that every week. And that's why there's this feeling of satisfaction when you leave the room because you're not just an artist doing something on, you know, when I, you're actually doing work. Another thing that's great is that there's no real, like, there's not a class system here. You know, that there are people who have been here longer than others and there are people who have more experience in one thing or another, but that you know, we just assume that everyone is going to do good work. And like, I remember maybe the second or third workshop, I mean, it was one of my early workshops. I was handed something and said, read this character. And I said, okay. And it was just like, it wasn't like I wasn't tried out, you know, that we just are like, we're, we're all doing this together and that no one needs to be, you know, senior. I think... I think that there's another thing that happens in terms of giving everybody permission to take risks, which comes up when people who are not writers decide to write. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a brave act for an artist to make that choice and to bring in that work for the very first time. 
um, it makes everybody else want to be brave too, in whether it's in crossing disciplines, in trying something new, or in trying something different and something that you already know how to do. But so many brave things, so many risky things happen in workshop by artists that you trust and respect that it makes you want to do that too. I think that there really is a lot about the dynamic of the workshop and the people who are in it that really does encourage that risk. And, and I think part of it is that in terms of just the people that it attracts, in terms of people who come to workshop, who we invite to come to workshop, people who come to workshop and continue to stay, are people who are interested in watching people walk on the edge of what's safe. And I know for me, as a writer, it has been incredibly empowering in terms of being able to bring in things that, you know, there was a long time, frankly, I remember where I would bring something in and I would say, okay, we're going to read this, I want to hear what it is, and I'm going to apologize in advance because it might be kind of messed up. And there were some things that were, in fact, kind of messed up. But to have people have respect for trying to understand what I was trying to do with it, to really give their voice to what was clear about it, what was not clear about it, without voicing whether they quote unquote approved of it or not, because that wasn't the thing that was at the table. And then to be candid, I mean, there's one or two plays, a writer for children is one of them, that just, it gets into some very complicated territory and deals with them very dark things. And there have been times where I've really kind of almost put it aside and thought, I just think this might just go too far for anyone, you know. And then to have Sarah Curtis, who is one of our resident actors and is both wicked smart, but also about the sweetest person you'd meet, you know, say, oh, when are you bringing a writer for children in? I love that play. Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, I, I'm, I, I think I actually would have put it on a shelf a few years ago if, if Sarah Curtis didn't keep telling me she wanted me to bring it back. You know, because it just gives you confidence that the brave things that you're doing are appreciated. And, you know, it's, it's made me a much better director in terms of the acting work that we do and really being able to get down and dirty with an actor and really encourage them to take risks and take risks myself in terms of the things I'm asking them to do and see it not only have success, but see the actor empowered by those risks. And so when then I'm able to get into a rehearsal setting as a director rather than a workshop setting, it has really increased the tools in my toolbox because there was a laboratory here to try out those ideas. And I think that it really is, I mean, I know for myself, my ideas about working with actors and about new plays have evolved significantly over time. As frankly, I think, has the workshop's ideas as a group evolved significantly over time because it really does provide a laboratory where you can try things out and you can see the difference that it makes and you can see maybe the difference that it doesn't make and so that you don't try it again. But I think that that is a lot of what empowers, I think especially actors working on new plays and also playwrights working with other playwrights, but that idea of really being able to come in one week 
have a discussion about something, about what was clear, what was not clear, potential solutions to those problems, have the playwright come back, go off and come back the next week or two weeks later, having addressed those issues and really be able to see the significant difference that it made. There are very, very, very few actors, there are frankly very few playwrights and directors that have that opportunity to see the growth process of a play close up. And again, for those people who have been doing it, for 10 years, it is almost 300 plays they've seen grow up that way. For those people who've been here for three years, that's still about 120 plays, 130 plays that we've done in that amount of time. And that opportunity, again, to get down and dirty with that many, but then really see the proof of principle that this way of approaching a play, this question, is actually a helpful one. And it wasn't just a fluke. It wasn't just that one time in that one play that it worked out. But if you are asking those kind of questions and addressing those kinds of issues, it helps every play that it touches. And it just gives the writers, it gives the actors confidence that they know what they're talking about. When we first started doing the workshop every week and I came in, I think I was, I felt more like an observer, although I was primarily, uh, my experience was as an actor. Um, I had not written any plays and it was a, a couple years in before I decided to try it, but it was that watching other people be brave, try different things that, that made me think, oh, you know what, I, I know a lot about plays, maybe I could write a play. and. It was that experience of bringing it in and having people be really excited to hear what I had done and to, to be invested in it and to, to want to see where it went that gave me the confidence to, to continue to complete a play, to uh, write another play and to start to think of myself as a writer. Um, that all happened in the workshop because I was not a playwright before the workshop. I was an actor and it was being in the workshop and being a part of developing other people's plays that made me into a writer. But just that, just that thirst from other people to see your work, to see where it goes, really encouraged me and gave me confidence. And I, I had no faith at the beginning that I was any good. But it came through, through the practice of it. It was, it was similar for me. Um, I, it, what, the first play I ever wrote and brought in uh, to the workshop uh, they, was the first time we did the holiday play assignments as a, uh, for our Gift of Square Foot campaign. And in that first year of it, I think there were six playwrights or seven playwrights participating. And so we started reading their plays, and I just had this idea that didn't follow all the rules of what the assignment was, but I just had this idea. I was like, I just have to write this down, and it has to be no more than three pages because that's what the rule is, you know. So I was like, I'm playing by, I'm going to play by that rule. I'm just going to write it and see what it is. And um, I remember Sydney also mm -hmm. did something similar. She 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 wanted to do one too, and not only I mean that that also kind of made things kind of explode the following year because lots, then the assignment opened up and lots of actors ended up deciding that they wanted to take a crack at it too. So it was, that, that was another way that uh, I think it, we, it, we encourage other people to take part and give them, give them comfortable outlets to, 
to dive in. That actually is something that we do on a fairly regular basis are these playwright assignments in the workshop where, again, we do a holiday play every year, the very short holiday plays where one of the rules is that you have to tell a full story in under four, minute, four pages, which actually that month of the year that we're working on those is always very exciting only because each workshop session you know, we'll work on eight or nine plays in one night. And I just always feel like the first workshop session after we come off of that cycle, it's like, it's like, it's like a dramaturgy machine. It's just because <laughs> everyone has, has been, you know, working on, you know, so many plays right on top of each other. But, uh, you know, we also have, right now, we have an ongoing project, the Dylan plays, which there are, you know, uh, an assignment where that are each plays involved, uh, inspired by a, an assigned Bob Dylan song. And uh, it has a number of different rules that it has to follow in order to uh, match up with the song. But also, we've done others. Do you guys, which actually it's interesting looking around the table, it's mostly actors who are here, and yet mostly also people who have not only written plays, but written really pretty terrific plays. And I, I think at, at least all of you have, have written plays uh, associated with the, uh, the playwright assignments. Do you guys want to talk at all about what the playwright assignments do in terms of an exercise as a writer? Well, I think the first thing it does is it frees you from, from having to come up with something out of nothing. That you have a starting point, a germ that can grow into a full plant, you know, based on these rules, is that you're kind of boxed in. It's like you only have so many options because it has to be this, it has to be this, you have to have this. And so, like, what's left? And then an idea will pop into your head that fits inside that box, and that's the play you write. And it frees you from that expectation of writing, like, a play that somebody, you know, to come up out of nothing, sort of, with a play that somebody might be interested in. But it's like you have this assignment, you've got to do it, and so you got to come up with something. And, that, and, and once you've done that, once you've accepted that it had to be in that box, it's like, well, that's what I came up with in that box, and so I'm going to go ahead. Um, and I think a lot of people probably have sit for a long time trying to think, oh, well, what could I write about? And I think that these playwright assignments, you know, just give you that push, give you the, the traction to get started. It's the thing that they say about uh, obstacles as an actor, that idea that your obstacles limit and therefore specify your choices. And I think that there's something about the playwright assignment, again with the Bob Dylan assignment, it's got to be inspired by the song in some way and also include a character from the song and also include a location or circumstance from the song and also include a line from the song as a line of dialogue. And we actually had an open workshop, a couple of open workshops recently where we read and discussed these plays and my was one of the ones that we read and discussed and it was interesting because somebody asked me well how did it come out of the song and it was just sort of I had not really thought about it in those specific terms but it was so interesting I said well this part of the song got me thinking about this thing and this part of the song made me think about this thing and this part of the song got me interested in looking this up which I did and this part of the song and then I just sort of stepped back and I was like, all right, what happened to this idea for a person I got really interested in, this idea for a person I got really interested in, got together in this circumstance I thought was interesting, and then just step back and get out of their way. And, you know, it's, it, it's interesting, that idea that sort of the, 
I find with the assignments, the plays at some point kind of just present themselves to you because you're backed into a corner and you have to come up with a really creative way to get out of it. You know, it, it's something I think problem solving is very often the thing that makes the interesting choices in plays. And that was actually something, because actually just last night, we had an open workshop where we, which we were doing a series of them, and the one last night actually was also one of my plays, but where we uh, read the first draft and final draft of plays that were developed in the workshop and talk about their evolution. And it was really interesting to revisit this play that I've had a, a one-act play I've had a lot of success with, and the first draft of it was different in such interesting ways in the final draft. But as we were talking with the group at the open workshop, so many of the things that people talked about as being the things that they found especially interesting in the final draft were things that were in response to challenges, for lack of a better word, that were brought up by people in workshop and not obligatory challenges, but questions that people had about things that were not clear to them in the text as it was. And coming up with a creative way to answer that question without disrupting the other important things in the play just leads to really interesting answers very often. I actually find a lot of the times my favorite things in my plays and frankly my favorite things in other people's plays are really about the creative solutions to the corners that they've backed themselves into on the early drafts. And to have people there who will call you on those corners that you backed yourself out of and not just let you skip out. I mean, I do remember, you know, it's at this point years ago, but where someone had to have something to say about my play that was not 100% positive and I would really not deal with it very well, to be very honest with you. But, you know, that gift of having a group of people who will call you on the inconsistencies of things as they see it so you can fix it. Because one thing I will say is that when a play that I am writing gets through the workshop process, if we get to the end of a draft and people say, it actually feels like what you're trying to do is clear to me, I feel pretty confident that I've reached my final draft because people are not shy about calling you on, on your tricks, as it were. We've been talking a lot about the uh, writing work that we do in workshop, and it is a very significant part of what we do in workshop. But I think one of the very interesting aspects of the workshop is that it's a, it's a multidisciplinary group. That, I mean, we have a slate, but people can get on the slate with pretty much any work that they want to put on there. And, you know, usually about two-thirds of the slate is taken up with new work that people are doing. But also, people uh, very often bring in acting work, sometimes bring in other things. I mean, we've had people who are applying for graduate school who brought in their grad school essays and things like that. But a lot of the work that we do is uh, acting work, uh, whether it be monologues people are working on, bringing in audition material that they're preparing for an audition. Sometimes people get together and work on a scene that they bring in for feedback for the group. Uh, what has your guys' experience been of the, the acting work, uh, I, both doing it and uh, uh, being part of the discussion of it in the, in the workshops? Something that I've noticed is that we're very focused, I mean this sounds obvious, but on, on what the person specifically is working on. 
So for example, I think this group has a great way of kind of adapting the feedback in terms of if I'm going in for an audition tomorrow versus I'm going into an audition next week and I'm preparing something. You know, the, the, first, the first question is what is this for? When is the audition? Because you really want, you want to help the person obviously, you want to give them the best feedback that you can, but you also don't want to be like, oh my God, you need to explore this, 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 and this if their audition is at 10 a.m. the next morning. You want to give them the one thing that will you know, boost their confidence and will really let them hit the road running at the audition. And it's something that I've noticed kind of with monologue work and all that stuff is it's depending on what they're bringing it in for. The workshop is really great at kind of adapting the feedback. Well, that is just a very important feature of all of the work that we do in workshop, uh, you know, which is the first question always is, what are you working on? Mm -hmm. That we see the work, whether it's reading the draft of the play or the part of the play we're reading, or someone getting up and doing the work we're do they're doing, and then ask them, what are you working on? What are you looking for feedback on? Um, I actually think it's important that we don't ask before we see the work, mm -hmm. because then it taints mm -hmm. your experience of the work. But, uh, but that question of what are, what are you working on here, so that it is the artist who's working that sets the parameters of the discussion. But I also actually think it's an important thing in terms of the structure of the group that the artist working sets the parameters of the discussion, but then we have a moderator who determines whether we're in the parameters or not. Which I think is really important because I certainly have been part of different kinds of groups where a working artist will say, I'm not interested in that feedback. Well, it still doesn't hurt to hear it so long as it's on the topic of, you know, you don't have to take it. But it's helpful to hear it so long as it addresses the thing that you are looking to address. So it is helpful to have a impartial third party to say, this is a conversation that this is a comment that's in bounds or out of bounds. I mean, it actually is something that over time, I think uh, the group, you know, especially the, the people who are very regular, are very, very good at self-policing. You know, you don't see people, the, the moderator very rarely has to step in. But it's, uh, but I think it's an important thing, that, that duality of the structure. I think it's part of what uh, helps the discussions to be so productive, is that one person gives us the focus but then it's up to somebody else to be sure that we're staying on focus. I think it's with the acting, it's no different than what you were saying about the writing, that it's, um, you know, you, you get up there as an actor, you say what you are working on, and you have a whole room of people there to, you know, highlight when you've gotten in your own way going after that objective, when, you've, when you're backing away from it, when you're backing off. And sometimes as the actor, you're the last person to realize you're doing that, and you have this room of people to get you to where you said you wanted to be. To hold you accountable to your own goal. Yeah. And people who know you, who, you know, over the course of many workshops, know what you're capable of, know if you're, you know, not fully going for something, or, or if you're not pushing yourself, you know, to do something different, if, if that's what you're trying to do, you know, that there are people who, who become familiar with your work, so you can really trust their feedback, you know, as opposed to just like some random, you know, class, which it's great to, you know, actors, you need to take classes, you need to, you know, that, you know, there are people who you can really trust to be like, come on, <laughs> this is, this is something you're doing and you, you know, we, we're all in on this together. 
Well, I think that's interesting you bring up classes too because I think depending on what kind of acting work you're bringing in or like Jenny said, when the audition is or what, it, what is the context of the acting work, that also affects so much of it. Sometimes bringing in scene work is kind of creating a class for yourself as an actor. Mm -hmm. And bringing in monologue work could be building a, an arsenal of audition material or training yourself and, and working on your craft. And bringing in audition material can be any and all of those things, but it also probably has a much quicker finish line. And so it's interesting the different ways that acting work can function considering what the needs are of the work. And there's also something about you know, the regular collaborators who are commenting on your work, but over such a long time. Because one of the critical parts of being a productive artist, whether it's as a writer or as, a, as an actor, is learning yourself. You know, is learning the things that affect you, learning the places that are most helpful for you to go as an actor. And it is something that I notice as in the acting feedback and, frankly, in the writing feedback, is that people will be calling back things that people worked on last month or a year ago or three years ago, where they'll say, you know, something that worked really well for you when you were working on Glengarry Glen Ross you actually might be able to use that thing that affected you in this to bring into this, you know, that to bring into the scene from King Lear that you're working on now, which even when you're taking a class, if you're taking a 10-week class, that teacher is not going to have that sense of the depth of your work, which, you know, granted, neither will a director who's directing you in a play, so you can't count on people to be telling you, why don't you do that thing you did four shows ago? But if you're able to be, to hear to have people from the outside able to see the patterns of your work to help bring them to your attention. It, again, can help you learn yourself as an actor. It's what I said earlier about um, being more articulate, not only out loud, but also being able to hold yourself accountable for those things because of the observations of those regular collaborators. Mm -hmm. Something that I have found especially helpful for me personally, and I imagine this is true for other people as well, is if I'm starting to work on a new monologue, there's a lot of stuff that I can do at home before you know I get it in front of people, certainly, and certainly memorizing and all that stuff. And I personally find that the first time I say it in front of people, there's a lot of other stuff going on in terms of making, like the lines are there, I'm forgetting objectives because I'm concentrating the lines or I'm just nervous saying it in front of people. And for me, it has been so helpful to have that first group of people that I'm saying it in front of be the people in the workshop rather than the people in the audition room. Because for me there's always that like first time just saying it out loud in front of people mm -hmm. where you know your your brain is five million places and it, mm -hmm. I, I like that the first time I can bring in monologue or the first time I'm working on a monologue in front of people is in front of this group of people who are going to help me and focus me and not in front of a room full of people at the public or yeah. whatever it is. Who you want to be hired by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a really a, a way to exercise a, a monologue or audition piece or whatever it is. One other feature of workshop that we have is that we meet for four hours each week. But the first 30 minutes or so of every session is dedicated to something very specific. Uh, which is just the question of, did anyone do anything interesting this week? That was something that began as an almost offhand question once and really has evolved to be something that we do each and every week. Do you guys have thoughts about um, 
the role that that half hour of did anyone do anything interesting this week plays in your week? Definitely. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of what gets discussed is, you know, if someone saw something on Broadway or just a good piece or an interesting piece or a terrible piece of theater or, or you know, an, um, a film, but, you know, uh, I feel like it's hard to stay on top of, of seeing all the shows that are out and really knowing what's out. And so it's sometimes all you get, all I get sometimes is the discussion and, and at least being able to get a piece of what people think and what they experienced and, and you know, what actors were, were wonderful and just or what was great about the writing. And for me, that's just like a huge treat. And it also makes me feel like I need to get, <laughs> I need to get serious about seeing some plays myself, but because I think that's really important, but it, there, it's, it's exciting, you know, to hear about what everyone's been seeing. I would say it, for me it's it's been interesting in two ways. One one way in in regards of being able to talk about experiences that I've had that week if there's been a particular audition that kind of went weird or I had a meeting with someone that I, or I'm about to have a meeting and I want advice on, you know, how to talk about my career or you know that kind of stuff. It's it's really helpful to have that time to discuss it with a group of people who know you. And also, kind of piggybacking off of what Annalisa just said, I know um, I find it motivating. I think that's something that you should be doing, you know, as an actor, and you should be going to see things and going to, and you know, reading plays. And it it helps me during the week. I'm like, what am I going to say at workshop this week that I did? It helps motivate motivate me personally to do stuff towards my career. There is something just about that. There's a, a broader thing than just the the what are you doing this week. But that idea of having that week of having that deadline to have done something interesting. Yeah. Certainly, as a writer, that I, that I'm going to say six days before the workshop meets that I am going to have a new scene by that workshop. Well, I had better do it because I'm taking up time and space and, and email has gone out to everyone telling them that they should expect to see a new scene from me. And that is something that, frankly, I think I would have written about half as many plays as I have written if I didn't have that regular deadline. Um, and I think for actors, too, that idea of knowing I have an audition this day, but a workshop is four days before it, so I'd better get a head start on preparing my materials and things like that. That deadline, that looming thing of the, at this point in the week, I'm going to be seeing people and I want to either have something to tell them or something to show them or something to share with them, uh, keeps the ball in the air. It also, for me, in the beginning of coming to the workshop and still does this uh, for me, uh, this, the, the, just being around this community of artists, you know, in the beginning I was really, like I said before, I was really intimidated, but once I've worked with these people for, for a while now, it, it, I, I, you know, I see them more as human beings and for a long time, <laughs> sorry, but, so, but what I mean by that is for a long time I would go to auditions um, before I had a community of artists to, to talk about this with and to meet with every week where I could feel like I was, you know, hitting my home base and checking in with people and making sure I wasn't living this crazy life. But I would go out to auditions and feel like, you know, I, you know, I didn't go to college to act. I, I took classes later, but I didn't go to college for that. And I'm looking around at the other actors waiting for their audition thinking, 
what, how long have they been doing this? What have they been doing? What is this? Am I, am I, am I, should I not even be here right now? And it's, it's you know, it, it, it does make you feel, I just had a lot of trouble like finding my identity as an actor and it, being able to come into a room with a bunch of artists and, and listen to them talk about what they did that week and, and realize, oh, we're all doing the same thing. It makes me feel comfortable in those settings when I am by myself because I know, you know, that there are other people out there doing that and the people sitting across from me are going are doing the same thing and, you know, there's something that puts you at ease when you when you have a group of people that you can talk with. That's something I said, I think, on the episode we did about the uh, career seminars that we do, that something when we do, which I do for both Cry Havoc and other groups, like seminars for early career artists about building your career, the number of times that people come up afterwards and talk about, you know, whatever it was, was helpful because it's such a lonely business. And I hear that all the time from people. And I just know personally for myself, I could not be in the business if I felt like it was a lonely one, if I felt like I was wandering the streets alone until the day that someone, please God, cast me in something. But I really do think that having the regular group every week to not just do work with, but also to talk about what's going on in your career and this opportunity that's coming up that I'm excited about or that I'm nervous about or whatever, it just makes the path of being a theater artist, being a direct, being a director, being a playwright, being an actor, into something that is somehow more manageable and more human and more humane. Actually, and so I was talking about the workshop uh, recently with someone at my work, and she was asking, she's like, is it hard, you know, working with this group of people and like, does it get competitive? You know, is there a certain, you know, I guess just competitiveness to it? And I was, t and I was thinking about it, and it's just because it's, you know, this regular group of people, and you know, you get to know people, and everyone's supportive, and and stuff like that. It's, I don't find it competitive at all, and it's 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 the kind of thing where you hear that there's an audition at Equity, and you tell everyone in the room who you think, you know what I mean, who you think should be there, and you bump into them in the Equity building. And it's just everyone is is happy for each other and supportive of each other, and I don't know where else you find that in this business. I think it helps making to make a connection between us as artists and professionals and as people, um, because I end up feeling like my favorite part of that is when somebody is sharing something that makes me understand what they're working on, but away from the table. And not only artistically, but it helps me to understand what they're working on as a person. Mm -hmm. What they're doing when they're not sitting here articulating to me what they're working on. I feel like I get to understand who the people around the table are during that time. And there's something about having a gang to go to war with. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a mm -hmm. tough business. And that idea of looking around, you know, the table or around the room or whatever it is and being like, these are people who I respect immensely and they're people who think I'm worth spending time with because they're here with me right now. It's something that, you know, can give a real sense of, of strength. You know, it's just, you were talking about the competitiveness. I mean, I think a, a couple of years ago, one of my plays was published, which was great. Now, you know, it's exciting for a lot of different reasons. My absolute favorite thing about it was not so much 
the other opportunities that came out of it, although those were good, but that uh, uh, Chris Comfort, who's one of the members of the workshop, <laughs> said, he said, I, he said, oh, that's so great. He said, I'm kind of embarrassed. And I said, don't, don't be. He said, and he said, I just, I kind of feel like my play was published. <laughs> and, and, you know, there, that there really is something about, you know, the idea that, again, it's a collaborative art and a business that really requires having a team. And, you know, to have people who believe in you and believe in your work and not just enough to show up to your show, but enough to really show up and challenge you to do your very best work. Not just to enjoy your work, but invest enough to help make it better and to invite you into the process of making their work better. It's, it, it's something that makes the pounding the pavement a lot easier to know that at least one day a week you're going to pound the pavement into a room full of people who are there to try to help you get better and move your work forward. And no matter what it is, it makes, your, it makes someone's individual success a group success. And you feel the presence of the group when you're on your own. You feel that strength behind you, um, knowing, like if if something's happening to you, it's there's it's not happening to you alone. It's happening to you as part of this group, and you have someone to report to and to, it, you know, it's kind of like you have people on your shoulder when you go into the audition to, you know, give you advice and to give you support even when they're not in the room with you anymore. And no matter what happens in that room, you have somewhere to go back to and talk about it. <laughs> Say, what happened? <laughs> you know, or, or, you know, this was really interesting. Or, hey, I got a thing, I got a gig. And there are people who are going to be, like you said, invested. And just, you know, choosing to give you their time and receive from you as well your insight, you know, that we're all choosing to be here, I think, is also a huge part of why it works. It's because we could, you know, be involved with just our careers, but that's, you know, that's the lonely choice. And this is, you know, the, the choice that turns out hundreds of plays and people, you know, actors bettering themselves and going to more auditions and, you know, just all of us bettering ourselves and, you know, collectively and individually. And the batting average of actors, of our actors who prep their auditions in the workshop and then go to audition is actually, you know, hearteningly high too, you know, that it's, it's not just that you can not just bring the spirit of the group, but also the wisdom of the group in with you to an audition. You're, you're better armed than everybody else who you know, spent their time in their apartment pacing around and trying to think up something helpful. Well, yeah, and it almost takes like an onus off you a bit. Like, you know, there are a lot of ideas that helped me decide that I was going to approach this audition this way, you know, and there are other people who, thinks, who think this works or who, you know, support me doing this and auditioning for this role, you know, that you don't feel, you don't feel alone when you work on it with other people. Do you guys have thoughts about uh, something that's a newer feature of the workshop program, which is the open workshops, wherein, you know, 
anyone who would like to come and take part in a discussion of something that we have, uh, either something that we have under development or sort of special events like I mentioned earlier, the one that we had uh, last night and we had another one last week where we read the first and last drafts of short plays and talk about the process. What is it like for you guys uh, meeting every week with the company to every couple of weeks add in a group of other people, uh, some of whom have become regulars and some of whom each time are, are new and in the room for the first time? helps me not take it for granted, honestly. There's been a couple of workshops recently where someone who's come in who had no idea what a reading was of a play, what that even meant. Someone who's come in, you know, who is not an actor or not a playwright or not a director and, is, you know, is a friend of a friend or something. And it, just hearing their experience of, of what we do every week is really interesting and, and makes me appreciate kind of what we have. And I love to hear, not just from the artists who, have, who haven't worked with us, but with those people who have little or no experience with the process of theater because that's why we're doing it. You know, so often we only get to do shows for other artists um, unless you're really successful and you have a big house in a long run and where there's audience that comes who, who isn't involved in the theater. But having those type of people at our open workshops and, and to, to see them, you know, at first kind of be like, well, I'm not an actor or I don't know this, kind of shy about it, but it's their, their opinion matters. Like their experience of what is happening is why we are doing this. Not just for ourselves, but for as many people as possible. And so their experience being just as valid you know, everybody's experience being equally valid of what the work is. I, I just find it so uh, encouraging to see those people get stronger in their opinions as the, as the discussions go on, like where we do want to know what they think and they get really excited about that and they get just as involved as an artist in a discussion of a you know a piece of theater and I think something that helps it is that we really do is that they really are open workshops where they work the same way as our company workshops do including the working artists open the conversation by saying this is what I'm working on in in tonight and this is what I'm interested in feedback on and it's interesting I mean I, I just have found the same way it helps us to focus our discussion the insightful comments that we get from people uh, who are not necessarily in our, the workshop every week by framing it that way is 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 always a surprise and a, and, a, a, and a pleasurable surprise. I get equally excited when someone new comes into the room and says something unexpected that I wouldn't necessarily believe one of our regular collaborators might have said as I do when someone says something that one of us is trying to say or would say. Um, I, I feel like both of those experiences are so exhilarating to me because it both reinforces the work that we're doing and also opens our own experience up. We get to learn from people who do think differently than we do. And for me also, it's really exciting proof of principle of two different things. Um, one of them was something that, you know, we really consciously, you know, made part of our mission several years ago, which was to try to cultivate an audience and serve an audience that was interested in the process by which plays are made and not just the final product. And 
that was something that was very exciting to me, certainly, and I know a number of other people in the company, you know, that idea of really unveiling the playmaking process. But there was a degree to which I was not totally confident that people were going to care. And that idea of having a room full of people, some of whom are actors, some of whom are writers, some of whom are part of our company, some of whom are not, some of whom are lawyers, some of whom are teachers, some of whom are doctors, and that and to see them get involved in this conversation and want to talk about not just the themes of the play but really what makes the play work and that there have been times that these things that we thought would last an hour ended up going two, two and a half and almost three hours not because we kept pushing it but because the people in the room really wanted to talk about these things because they don't get the opportunity to do that elsewhere. And secondly, and really importantly, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot, is that it's real proof of principle of the way in which we work on plays in this way that one of the things we talk about in workshop a lot is the idea of the play as an information delivery system. That what is going to make clear the story is the information that you deliver and the order in which you deliver it. That you will find out a piece of information that makes a big difference whether it is in the context of other information or whether we have not learned that other information first. And I know that that's something working with playwrights elsewhere, certainly not all playwrights, but sometimes playwrights elsewhere, that have said, well, I don't think the audience is going to notice that. I don't think they'll notice that's true. The audiences aren't that sophisticated. They just go along with the story. And what's been so interesting is once you get these conversations going, very often the first round of discussion is about, well, I liked this part. I thought this was interesting, relatively surface. But as it gets deeper, people in the room really start saying, well, but when she came in the room, he already knew that she had talked to his sister. And so when she came in the room and he knew that, I was wondering what she... And it's just the fact that even if people are not consciously aware of that, they are absolutely aware of that. That that idea of that way of talking about storytelling and the order in which information is delivered is not an academic exercise. Even if people don't consciously realize that's how they're taking in the story, that is how they're taking in the story, and once they get under the first layer of discussion, they are able to articulate the fact that that is how they experience the story. Well, and with as much time and energy and care as, as we put into developing these plays, it's actually those discussions that are most thrilling to get into that room and experience that with each other weekly is fantastic, but to open that up to other voices and to watch people have light bulbs go on over their heads about the process that we're, we're working with, it, it makes, as, as great as it is to develop a play, it makes the, the process that much more clear and important and exciting. Whenever we have the open workshops, I really hope that people are going to want to say something. And what's amazing is that they always do. And like Kit was saying, that you know, discussions often stretch into more than an hour. And just that's the whole point <laughs> that we're writing these plays so that other people can be you know, thinking and excited and, and it's just incredibly validating to see that start to happen. 
and what's actually been kind of fun for me this past couple of weeks, I had some people come <clears throat> to some of the open workshops, and a few of them didn't speak um, because they, similar to when I first came to workshop, you know, didn't want to say anything, wanted to get a read in the room first. But the second I got downstairs to walk them out, they unloaded all the things that they were thinking about. And in everyone that I've talked to, it's it, that's that's what is most enjoyable is the discussion that follows the the work is in in how they get so invested and involved in being a part of the development of this play that that's what's exciting about it we were actually out uh and talking to this girl last week who came to an open workshop who was saying how she she had something to say but she was kind of she was a little bit shy about saying it out loud and she told us what it was and we were and we got really excited about her comment and and we're like oh you should have said that and then we talked about that for like 15 minutes and she came to an open workshop this week and said something and and it was really exciting because i knew how how hard it was for her to say something out loud but she like um it was great that that she was able to feel comfortable to participate and it was a very worthwhile thing that she said and it allowed the conversation to, to continue in a good way. That's another funny thing for, uh, with people who, are, who have been to multiples. I mean, I, I've had mm -hmm. people that have come and not spoken and then come again and then they say something and they have said, I felt like I needed to speak. Like they started to feel like a responsibility to share what their experience was, even if they weren't comfortable saying something. <laughs> they felt like, well, I'm in this room. This is what we're doing. I've got to say it. And then they become, they start to feel the responsibility yeah. that the other artists have well, to make the work better. Back to what, I mean, this is sort of a bigger thing, but, but back to what you were saying about how, whether they're conscious if they know it or not, people follow story. They understand the you know, like they understand they get invested because it's the oldest thing we've done as humans <laughs> is storytelling and we all understand it innately. It, it just helps to show that, you know, like theater is necessary, that it's a necessary facet of storytelling and one of the best ways to do it that you know other people need it like we it's not just for us who love it and want to do it over and over and again and and make many plays happen and be in as many you know that it's it's really for people it's a human effort you know like that's that's exactly what it is mm -hmm. well and i think that some of that responsibility that you're talking about that responsibility to speak up and the responsibility to tell those stories that's, that's what I feel is the greatest work that we get to do in the workshop. We help playwrights write the plays they're trying to write. And by doing that, we are supporting playwrights. We are supporting the development of plays, the development of artists, and the development of the theater in order that we can tell those stories. And I think beyond that, by having this group of actors and writers together who do that, it's not just supporting those writers, but the skills that people learn around that table by doing it week after week and seeing the way it works spreads out when those actors go out there. The ability to really talk in a sophisticated way about the way that a play is structured and the way that the different facets of the play affect each other is a very, very, very rare skill. And there are, there are at least 100 or 120 more people in the city that can do it now. And I would argue that the total number numbers in the hundreds that learned how to do it 
by being around the table at the workshop. It's not an easy thing to learn. It's something that takes practice, and there frankly are so few resources for actors to practice that. And before we wrap up, I also do think it is worth saying that, I mean, we have been talking uh, an awful lot about our workshop. And our workshop is something that I think, you know, reflects very much the philosophy of our company, the aesthetic of our company, um, the culture of our company. But as I said earlier on, I, I don't know that our company would have lasted 15 years, not just lasted, but really be thriving if it had not had this workshop to keep it moving. And for those people who are looking to start theater companies of their own, there is no more important advice, piece of advice that I could give than the idea of creating a regular meeting. And I would say make it a weekly meeting. And the reason for that is I've been a part of other groups and playwriting groups where it's like a monthly meeting or a bi-monthly meeting. And then it becomes an event instead of a place to show up and work. And that idea of having a place where you come to do work not to be done for the public, but where you come to do work together to do the kind of work that your company is interested in. Our company is very interested in the development of new work, so it's a big part of what we do. But there is a huge extent to which, at this point, the workshop has a very specific way of working, a very robust way of working, a long history to draw from, and a real network of relationships among the people that it draws from. But that was not always the case. And the company really found its identity through the trial and error that it found of getting people together every week and trying things and finding out and figuring out what our vocabulary was and figuring out what kind of artist a cry havoc artist was so that someone when they went and worked someplace else could point to someone and say that's somebody who looks like the people over at cry havoc and then not only that but to have some place to bring them where it's not just saying oh next time we do a show you should come audition for it or you should come and see it and then come out to the bar with, with the cast afterwards but really that opportunity to have a place where the company can find its identity practice its identity and introduce other artists to its identity is incredibly helpful to the health and well-being and longevity and self-challenge of any company it's the thing that has made our company into what our company has become. And just to anyone out there who's thinking about starting a company, get your people together every week and do something. It almost doesn't matter what it is because you'll be doing something different a year later, but you'll figure out what you should be doing by doing something every week. So I think that's a good place to wrap up. If you like what you're hearing and would like to let other people know that the podcast is out there, please tell them. Uh, and also you can go to iTunes and uh, write us a review and give us stars. If you like what you're hearing and are not subscribed, you can go to iTunes and subscribe there. Uh, if you would like more information about Cry Havoc's programs, including our classes and our upcoming open workshops, uh, please visit our website, www.cryhavoccompany.org, and you can join our mailing list there, or you can join our mailing list by texting HAVOC, H-A-V-O-C, to 22828. If you would like to support Cry Havoc's programs and to keep our workshop and our open workshops free, uh, please visit www.cryhavoccompany.org backslash support 
So for myself, Jen and Elisa, Jenny, Will, Kerry and Jen, and everyone at the Cry Have a Company, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. You can learn more about the Cry Have a Company at cryhaveacompany.org. Questions or comments can be sent to podcasts at cryhaveacompany.org. All music from this show came from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe.